0: What's up, nerds? This is Just A Couple R Slings, The Last Kingdom
1: podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jessica Toomer. And I'm Alyssa Fixie. We are writers for Sci Fi Wires fangirls who started recapping The Last Kingdom in season three. So we decided to bring that nerdy, horny energy to Podcast Landia. Jessica, what's Ooh, up? okay. I
0: think you know what we need to talk about today because it's all I've seen on Twitter and I'm so over it. So <laughs> let's just rant.
1: Yeah. Let's do it. I, you know, I, a friend of mine was actually at that, at that, the thing that we're about to discuss and he was messaging me about it. And so I've been raging about it internally <sighs> for Poor two dude. days now. So I am, uh, I'm ready to uh, discuss it. Would you like to get our listeners <laughs> up to speed? Yeah. Okay, guys. Um.
0: So we're, obviously we're uh, the Last Kingdom fans We're also Game of Thrones fans. That's a really great genre show. Genre fans, genre um, fans in general. I genre think, fans in a general. Yeah, to and describe I think us. I, I'm assuming like these two shows probably have a little bit of overlap because they do feel you know similar in kind of some of the themes and uh, things like that. So uh, hopefully you're interested in this. But um, the Game of Thrones creators, D and D, David, yes, David Benioff, Benioff and Dan. Weiss. Uh, Weiss. Okay. Weiss. Yeah. You know what? I, I'll only call them D&D because, like, right. they don't really have personalities. So uh. um, <laughs> they uh, they had, they gave a panel at the Austin uh, Film Festival. Was it yesterday or today? It was uh, on Saturday.
1: Okay, yeah, this weekend. It was on Saturday.
0: So, yeah, basically just, you know, so they skipped Comic-Con this year. I think they kind of knew... There was going to be some backlash and they just weren't, like, feeling it. Now, I guess the dust has settled and they want to talk about the show and what it was like creating it.
1: And Mm. honestly, I think we could have all done without. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what they thought they were going to gain from this discussion, And what's crazy to me is how badly it went. I mean, the moderator, they were pretty softball questions when you think about it. But there was this, there was a thread going around Twitter that basically outlined the whole discussion. And it was basically an admission that they didn't know what they were doing. They had no business making the show. And that everything good that came from the show was from Martin's writing, the cast performances, and, like, everybody on the technical side. The costume designers, the cinematographers, that kind of thing. Like, these guys had no—they had no experience. And they basically were like, yeah, we we didn't have any experience, but we just went in there and we pitched HBO with our pilot and they went for it. And it was just—it was— It was such an admission of privilege in a way that I can't, they didn't, they weren't aware that like this was, this is not like a cute anecdote. Like, oh, we lucked into this and this was our first project. I think one of them, let me find, one of them said this was basically like film school for them was working on this project. (sighs) So they were handed millions of dollars to make such a massive undertaking and they had done nothing to earn that. And I think people knew that, like, in a way because, I mean, Weiss didn't have many credits to his name at all. And Benioff had written a couple of things and worked on a couple of projects. Like, he wrote, was it Troy, I think he wrote? Yeah. And yep. a few other things. But, like, they did not have the The experience that a woman or a person of color would have been required to have to be handed a project like this, and oh, they to just to even
0: be in the conversation. I mean, right? It's just insane, and yeah, and so like, it felt it's so weird to
1: kind of read that Twitter thread. Yes, it's by the Twitter uh, user Needle and Pen, and their Needle handle and is at for Aria. So if you want to go take a look at it, it started on October twenty sixth. And it's worth a read because oh my it God. Is. Yeah. it's she a lot.
0: does a really great job of kind of breaking everything down. Um, and it's like, I, I feel at this point, it's like there's not much to say that we didn't already know. So, I mean, we knew that these guys kind of got this meeting with HBO execs because they, you know, had those kind of connections. I mm-hmm. think one of their
1: dad dad's was like a Goldman Sachs. Like banker or something. Benioff's yeah. dad, and I don't remember exactly the position, but he he had connections at HBO. Like this right. was not just. This was not. They didn't just like walk
0: into the office of HBO. You can't do that. So right. even though it might seem like it when you read mm-hmm. this thread about these guys, you can't just walk in HBO and be like, I'm going to pitch a show. And mm-hmm. so they had some connections going in, um, which is why they were even seen and. To kind of—it felt like this whole thread, it felt like this kind of placating, like, well, look at us. We're like, gee shucks, guys. And, you know, we, we did our best and we cared about it, but, like, we also didn't know what we were doing, so don't judge us too harshly. And it's like, mm. you were given— one, you were given so much money. Two, you were giving, given a property that has so many invested fans and is mm. the life's work of this writer. And then you were given, you know, the means to hire all these people and to, you know, get them to work their asses off for you. So the excuse or the... The, you know, cute little story of we had no idea what we were doing, but I mean, I guess it worked out like that's not cool. Like, that's not right. I don't know what they thought, you know, telling this would kind of accomplish for them or would make maybe it would make people like think they were relatable or think, you know, oh, well, they, you know, they did good for what what they were working with. No, like mm-hmm. they were unqualified and it showed, especially in the later seasons. But in that final season, it definitely showed. It just pisses me off because I know that, like you said, like women of women, women of color, uh, people of color in general are not afforded those same opportunities even today. Like I know this right. show has been on for a while. So this happened a, a while ago, but it's still the same today. Like nothing sure. has changed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I found the... um Benioff's dad was professional acquaintances with Richard Plepper who was the head of HBO at the time that Mm. they were in production and they're on the Council of Foreign Relations together. So like they had an in. Right. And another thing that was really frustrating to me is how dismissive they were of genre fans in general. Um, They actively worked to remove like as many fantasy elements as possible because they quote didn't want to appeal to that sort of fan they wanted to sort of expand the fan base to people beyond normal fantasy fans. They used it was the examples they used were odd. They said mothers and NFL players. And Cause that's who I
0: think of when I read Game of Thrones and I'm like, who likes this stuff? Moms and NFL players.
1: Like I mean, I would say I mean, I would say that women do in general love fantasy and I think are more open in their love of fantasy. I don't know about more open, but there are plenty of fantasy fans who are mothers, but the idea that A that fantasy targeting? fans are not right. A fantasy fans are not something they wanted to appeal to and B the idea that, like, mothers and women couldn't be fantasy fans is just, it's so reductive in their thinking. And it's just, you know, I think I think this was really obvious to a lot of people who watch the show. And as long as they had source material, they could make it work. You know, you could, I mean, you go back and watch. I mean, as frustrated as everybody is about the final season, the final two seasons, really, those first three, four seasons are so good and well done and because they had you know they had Martin's writing and mostly Martin's storytelling because I will be the first to say I have only read the first Game of Thrones book because while I really like Martin's world building and the storytelling that he does I don't love his writing style and especially how he wrote very young women it just made me uncomfortable and just wasn't for me but I liked the world and I liked the the bones of his story, so I watched the show instead. And as long as they had that, they could make it work. But, I mean, as soon as they left the source material behind, like, season six had some really great moments in it, and I still think it's a good season of the show. But as soon as they ran out of track, it was really obvious that they, they didn't know what they were doing anymore.
0: Yeah, and I think in this thread, there's, there's just so many things where it's like, you know, we didn't did you kind of read a lot of the source material or things like that? And I was like, no, we just kind of um, broke it down. Like scene by scene, character by character. We didn't like keep a bigger picture in mind or anything like that. Like it was just, it just, to me felt again, I don't think they intended it to come off this way. I think they Mm. thought they were being kind of like, it's cutesy, you know, but it, read to me like just such a disrespect to the material and to the fan base and mm-hmm. and it doesn't make sense to me because as a you know if I was a showrunner and this was my first show and I w- it was HBO and they were throwing millions of dollars at this thing I would dig into literally anything I could to mm-hmm. build this thing out and to make it the best it could be and I think right the fact that they're talking about in season one they <laughs> ran out of money and they only had 30 minutes, you know, in an episode and they had to build it out to like, you know, 60 minutes like they had promised. And so they added like scenes of like Cersei and um, Robert together because they realized there was no scene of Cersei and Robert talking. And I'm just like, Mm -hmm. seriously? Like that's, you know, you realize like, oh, we don't have enough time. Let's like put in some of these characters. They haven't. It just felt so discombobulated and so messy. And I can't imagine what it was like working for them, especially that first season or two when they're still like... You know what I mean? I hope that things kind of got into a rhythm. Yeah, as they have admitted, did not know anything. Yeah, I can't can't imagine what it was like. I feel... I mean, my heart goes out to the Game of Thrones crew because that show is good and it's good because of the hard work that everyone else put into it, I think.
1: Yeah, and they said... um, Weiss talked about how they let the actors really redefine the roles, particularly um, Maisie Williams and Aria, and they began to write more for the actors than they did for the characters. And he said that they learned about the characters from the actors. And in a way, I like understand that it's a collaborative process. But as the showrunners, I feel like they should have a better, should have had a better handle on the, you know... The direction of the ship you know like yeah this is stuff that you should know and you know the moderator even asked them like why did they choose to write all the episodes by themselves if they were so limited in their experiences and they literally said because we didn't know better and so you know they could have brought in more writers they could have brought in more women and they really didn't like there are a few episodes that have additional writers like especially with Brian Cogman but for the most part they wrote all of it and it just
0: well just, and what's weird about that is like it's not even like a we well, didn't know any better guys like you know like all shocks right. it's like he said David said HBO wanted them to hire other writers and mm-hmm. so they're kind of placating HBO was to say yeah we'll we'll hire Brian Cogman who was their assistant so right. It also feels like a very territorial thing of, like, we don't, like, trust people. Like, we want it to be all us. You know what I mean? This is our thing. Like, it felt very, I don't know. It just, ugh, it just rubbed me the wrong way.
1: And, you know, with Game of Thrones coming to an end and, you know, the lack of diversity on screen and the lack of diversity in the writer's room, it kind of just makes me more excited about upcoming projects, um, fantasy projects that are that, you know, they're still fully taking shape, but the things that we've seen about them I think are a little more exciting. Like I know Netflix's take on um the Grishaverse by Lee Bardugo. Those that series has a lot of people excited and has a lot of fantasy elements. And Amazon is doing Wheel of Time and Lord of the Rings. And I just I really hope that these new projects can sort of learn from what Game of Thrones did right and also fix what Game of Thrones didn't get right yeah still excited about fantasy it's a great genre I yes. love it so yeah. much fantasy is such a good world like we love it right. and we just right. want I mean I think there's not
0: like there's no stigma attached to it if you if you mm-hmm. have a stigma it's you're putting it on the genre yourself like yeah. so I want these kind of showrunners that are wanting to create really elevated material to Maybe clue into that a little bit more. Like fantasy fans are very shrewd. We're smart. We're, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's not, we're not right. in our like parents' basements. <laughs> like, <laughs> like playing World no. of Warcraft and reading Game of Thrones.
1: <laughs> right. And I think I think we deserve good material and we deserve, you know, stuff that challenges us and gives us something of value instead of just, you know, throwing things of, you and be like all right whatever you guys don't care you'll love it and accept it no matter what we give you and so i think i don't know i'm optimistic about new stuff and i'm ready to leave game of thrones behind well let's leave game of
0: thrones behind and let's move on to a show that does a lot of things right Um, yes especially this episode yes cue segue music
1: (laughs) Episode 7 of Season 2 of The Last Kingdom. It's a doozy. It's like a, a doozy. L- it's so good. It's so good. Um, yeah, you know, this episode starts really high tension, like after what went down in London, and they go back to the ruined camp, and almost everybody's dead. Athelflaed's been taken, and Tira luckily survived oh, by hiding God. in the woods. And it's just, it's a tense moment.
0: Of a single man left living. No woman.
1: She's the daughter of King Alfred. They would not kill her. They would not.
0: Yes, everyone is murdered, dead, and they think that Aethelflaed is also, you know, her body's laying somewhere. Um, Mm. Luckily, that's not the case, but I think the most distressing part of this kind of like the boys coming back to camp is watching Beoka just have this little meltdown over Tira and not being able to find her I was so verklempt over this like yes, I just had to stop it Be like oh my god she's fine I know she's fine and he's gonna figure it out soon and then when she runs out of the the woods and they're just screaming each other's names and running to each other it's like every bad thing I've thought about Beoka I feel so terrible about (laughs) (laughs) now
1: I know, I know. Tara is such a good influence on him as a person and as a character. I can root for. Yeah, like, I he's, just ugh. their love. He's it's really redeemed
0: him in my eyes because, and even after, I mean, this is jumping ahead a little bit, but he decides not to kind of be by Uhtred's side and stay in Wessex with her, mm. and it's just like ugh, I just love to see a guy like putting the woman he loves first for once. Yeah.
1: It's beautiful, and it doesn't always happen on this show. No, it doesn't. Particularly with Athelred. Not that he loves Fled, but he fakes being in love with her in public to, you know, keep up appearances. And of course, you know, he's more concerned about like, oh my gosh, they've taken her. She's not going to be like pure anymore. What are we going to do to her? Like his, his first thought is so much about their shared reputation and not her safety. And it's so. Classic Ethelred, and it's really disgusting. It's disgusting, and it's so frustrating because, you know, you see, he was the one who wanted her out there so that he could, like, control her. And, of course, Aldhelm, his whispering right hand, is like, hey, buddy, that was a bad call. You should lie about that and blame her for being taken, which, ugh. Which the worst. Dick
0: move, dude. I mean, he makes so many dick moves, but Mm. that's like the worst is to say, oh, you know what? Yeah, she was captured, but like I didn't even want to bring her to battle. It was she is so strong willed. And I
1: love her so much. Come on,
0: man. Like Alfred's not going to buy that. I mean, she is strong willed, but like he's he knows her husband. Yeah. You're supposed to, you know, protect her. That's your fucking job and mm. and the real thing that i think Ethelred i mean he's clearly like shitting a brick over this news that Ethelflod has been taken mm. because he knows what it says about him Not just as a husband, but as a leader and how it's going to look when he comes back to Wessex and tells Alfred and tells all the other lords that he lost his wife in battle. um, And it wasn't even a battle. I mean, they abandoned the city. It wasn't even a battle. And he tries to play it off like it was some huge fight. um, And thank God like stay up is there and just like there was no battle. (laughs) Right.
1: Right. Yeah, and it just, you know, I mean, Uhtred pieces out when they're on their way back to Wessex, he's like, hey man, Alfred doesn't want me to be a part of this, so I'm Bye. gonna check out. <laughs> he's, You know, obviously he can't completely abandon fled because he cares about her, so you know, he sends Citric off to be a spy and figure out what's going on in Biamfliot, and so he's not out completely, but he's out in that he's not going to help Athelred explain what happened to Alfred. And so... And why should he? To, I mean... He shouldn't. He's
0: he shouldn't. following orders. This is what they wanted, and this is what they get. I mean, I I know that it's... Maybe some people would see it as petty, but honestly, I that's the you know road i would take like you've made it very clear you don't trust me you don't want me there i'm not gonna like bend over backwards to be there you know sure
1: sure and you know he had you know they go back to cook him and he has that really lovely i just i love every little moment that he and gisela have together they (sighs) just they're so good together and you know she's there to tell him you know i know you care about athelflaed i know you're not going to just abandon her
0: I noticed so many of these moments now that we're like going through this again. Like I didn't I know there's so many things. I just I don't know why I blacked these things out. But his relationship with Gisela and the way she can just cut through his bullshit. I mean, cut through everyone's bullshit. Like, yeah, if she was running Wessex, you know, things would not be. It would be so much better.
1: (laughs) It would just make Gisela queen of everything. And Wessex would be a thriving, peaceful place.
0: She's such a great, like, female character on this show because she's not, I mean, it's not like she's wielding, like, a sword or an axe or whatever. But she is able to control and manage these men um, in a way that they don't even realize she's doing. And so it's, like, it's just so, I love it when you see, like, these different kind of shades of of what a woman could be in that time. Yeah. And um, I would choose to be Gisela.
1: <laughs> Yeah, she's very like gently crafty, you know, like she's always a couple steps ahead and she's always – i wouldn't, manipulation feels like the wrong word, but she she pushes Uhtred in the way that she knows is right. But she does it in such a way that she doesn't belittle him. She doesn't, you know, force him into something that he doesn't want to do, but she's always there to sort of push him towards the right path and the path that ultimately is what he wants he just sometimes takes a little longer to figure it out than she does. Yeah,
0: he's a little little stubborn. Um, right. And she can do that because she knows him so well. I mean, they're so right. in tune with each other. And I think you see that in the conversation that he has when he's back at Cookham um uh, our little baby monk Osforth comes and he's oh, like, oh, you I love the baby monk. Yeah, He's like, you told me to come find you, you know, and um, they have like their little like fish stew dinner. And she's like, look, you know, he's going to say yes, but he just wants to do it to piss Alfred off. And, and Uchid's like, well, she's not wrong. Right. <laughs> like, I just love that they can. Just call each other out and be completely. I mean, it feels so honest, like their relationship, and I yeah. think that's so good for Utrid because his last one with Mildred
1: was just toxic. It was so toxic. It was full of like. They just neither of them are bad people, but they were bad together. Yeah, you know? I mean,
0: they were trying to like suppress their natures to please each other, and yeah, it, was a it bad just match. was not good. It was a bad so match. It, it's nice to see Gisela kind of. Yeah, I mean, he's the she's the woman that he needs, and right. Ugh, I'm I'm really falling in love with her this season. I have to say,
1: I know it's so good. Um, and yeah, so while they're having all their like nice moments, Athelred goes before Alfred and is like, "Well, she's kind of gone. She was taken." But her like fault. you said, like right, her <laughs> fault. And you know, we took London, and I liked that Sayapa and Bayoka were both there to not let Aldhelm make Uhtred look bad you know that he was going to blame it all on Uhtred and be like well he should have known blah 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 and they're like actually this is on you you're not going to make Uhtred look bad you're not going to be like well what did Uhtred know and how did they know that she would be at the camp and just I like that he has more people who have his back even if Alfred doesn't We fear that she has been taken You pray that is the outcome, Lord. By the Northmen. Ethelfled was with you. All the things they will do to her.
0: She was there. You took my daughter into battle. So here's the deal. I mean things are bad. So we've we've lost Ethelflaed to the Vikings, to Eric and Siegfried. You know it's bad because Ailswith is even, like, whispering, like, Upset. should we bring Udrid back? Um, right. When Ailswith shit. is on
1: Udred's <laughs> side, you know shit's it's getting real. Something <laughs> has happened. We're
0: in the upside down. But my main issue is, you know, I think this season I've really noticed, because, again, I feel like we flew through the first two seasons to get to the third. And in the third, yes. um, not without spoiling too much, Edhelm... Is not that bad of a dude, but he, he's terrible in this he's, season. He is the worst this season, and I'm yeah. every episode. I'm just being reminded of like how little a threat Ethelred poses, and how much more of a threat he
1: becomes thanks to this. When guy. he starts, right, this guy is whispering in his ear and telling him the things that he should do, and Ethelred wouldn't have thought of half this shit on his own. But you know, Aldhelm's more of a thinker and he wields a, a lot of influence with Athelred. Yeah. And so Athelred is, is a, a wet blanket and Right. And, and Aldhelm is a shitster extraordinaire.
0: Seriously. He's Yeah. I mean, it's like and the thing that really bugs me is I think kind of knowing how he he improves in season three, to like see him now and to be like, why are you doing this, dude? I mean, what's the end game here? I get that. It's all about the pursuit of power. Patriotic. Yeah, we want Mercia
1: to to kind of rule over everything and maybe it's like Yeah, I wouldn't call it patriotism. I think it's more the quest for power. Like he mm -hmm. knows that he knows how much influence he has on Athelred. So if he can position Athelred, who has you know this capability of gaining power he can sort of ride on for his himself. coattails and get some for himself yeah well sucks that you got stuck with Ethelred of all people to do that yeah like he hitched his he hitched his cart to the wrong horse and it's just a mess but yeah, there's some really good insults thrown at Ethelred after this conversation with Alfred yeah. when Ada is like, You are as useless as you are arrogant, with <laughs> ambition far beyond your capability. I was like, Man, that's a great burn. Like yeah. that is so good. Uh, stow that away for
0: yeah. <laughs> someone who really like pisses you off in your own life. Um Right. And maybe, like, record yourself saying it to them and then send it to us and we'll play it on the podcast. (laughs) Uh, No, I I love. Here's the thing. I love. Ada, um I, I think two. he's only gotten better as this season has gone on, and I think he's he's been through so much shit and he's seen so much. Murdered his own
1: son because he was a shithead. <sighs> Murdered so. his own son,
0: man. That's that's hard. He did what he had to do, so he's earned the right to say whatever the fuck he wants, and he's doing yeah. it. And he's drinking yeah. all the wine, and you know what? I don't, I don't hate. Where his arc is going. You know what I mean? Like, if yeah. he's just gonna be like telling it how it is every episode, like I'm down with that.
1: Ada is the wine mom of Essex. Oh my of god. Wessex. Like that's <laughs> that's the role he plays now. He's such a wine mom. Uh he is. He is. Um yeah, so like well, all this is going down in Wessex, like Eric and Siegfried have taken oh, Apple Fled. Yes. Let's she's, get to it. <laughs> she's riding off to the castle with Eric sitting right behind her. They're like, close. It's great. He's like whispering in her ear. It's very yeah. aggressive at the beginning, but like, it's, the sparks fly pretty soon. And, you know, she gets to be on and it's really frightening because all these dudes want a piece of her, but luckily, like, Eric takes care of it, and like, she's back in some sort of cell that's, you know, it's got a bed, so it's not the worst situation she can be in. He's trying. <laughs> he has limited resources right now, and he's going to make this, this Airbnb gotta, like, as tough. nice as possible. <laughs> he's going to appear tough to his bros. Like, he right. can't... He's got a rep to protect, you know. Right. Um, and, but you can tell that he, like, softens to her pretty immediately. Oh,
0: yeah. I mean, well, she's gorgeous, and She's wonderful. She's, yeah, she's strong, and she's smart, and who wouldn't fall in love with her um right and it's you know she's so the the courage she has to kind of keep a stone face when she comes into that like yeah. into the fort um and she all these men are let, like pawing at her and
1: yes and uh, she doesn't let any of them see her fear it's like i i could not do it she was incredible
0: yeah and to see like the this like viking horde i mean these these guys They're playing field hockey and not (laughs) bathing. Field hockey, okay. (laughs) And they're so easy, easily manipulated. Like you, you just promise them wealth and glory, and they are like down for whatever. Like you want me to kill someone, I'll kill someone. I'll do it. You want me to like grope this woman or rape this woman? I'll do it. Like it's just, it's a lot. I mean, I would do a lot for like a fur bed and modern plumbing in that time, but like Mm. glory and wealth just. I don't know. Not enough to like keep me there.
1: Yeah, I guess they don't have much else to do. But I was kind of laughing to myself as I was watching this because it was like, all right, Eric organizes so she can bathe privately and encourages her to eat food, and I'm like, oh. But then I'm like, wow, the bar is in solo. Hell. If, that, if that is what I'm like, yes, it's he's a winner. Six feet under. Right, right. But yep. no,
0: it's <laughs> it's a lot. I mean. I don't want to say, like, I mean, Eric is such a good dude. I do think our standards are, are much lower than they should be. Um, mm. <laughs> but I think, you know, we work with what we've got. And if you've got Eric versus Siegfried that's holding you hostage, I mean, there's a clear winner. So right. good on right. fled for, like, kind of sussing that out early. Yeah. Um, and Eric knows the way to a
1: woman's heart is the promise of a hot bath. I mean. Promise of a hot bath, listening to her communicate her needs and being like, hey, girl, please eat. So, you know. <laughs> Put some pounds right. on. Like, Wait. don't starve yourself. <laughs> I'm like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a uh, he's a good one. If, yeah. You know, even if he does some less than savory pillaging on the side. Sure, sure. It's fine.
0: Well, what's not fine, though, I think, you know, obviously there's like... So they're having this kind of little courtship. Um, I mean, it's, there's a lot of Stockholm syndrome
1: like associated with it, but Listen, it's still Listen, I saw Beauty and the Beast <laughs> as a child, and I love it now, so I can get past it. Beauty and I the Beast has really it. shaped so many All of our of problematic us. like
0: um, romance ideals. It's true. Um, it's true. <laughs> but still, Eric's a dude, a good dude. He's not like surrounded by the best of dudes, and I think we nope. have to talk about uh, Heston yeah it's just such a dick and he's he's a so... bad he's a bad dude. there's something about his fixation with Ethel fled this episode that just really like Ubsenting. gave me the creeps yeah it yeah. was i mean there was like hair standing up on the back of my neck, like watching him watch her bathe and stuff I mean it was just gross,
1: you know it's one of those it's really i think for as as is the case with abuse. Um, it's not about sex for him, it's about power. And mm-hmm. you can tell that, like, she was a woman that he was told to leave alone. So, of course, that makes her more appealing because he wants to exert his power over her as a princess and also over, you know, Eric, who told him no. And so the the combination of factors, I think, really w- was what drove him to... Uh, be, attempt to be a rapist, so it's not yeah. great.
0: I mean, this is you know, white dudes not getting what they want. It's uh, it's, it's
1: not good. Not it's not good. good. But luckily, Athel fled has a. Uh, a, night, you know, bucket. Bathroom, a, a <laughs> night bucket to uh, beat the shit out of him with. So, Who knew? <laughs> Right. It's great. And then Eric shows up, finishes the fight, bellows that she's precious and oh we my all God. swear. Uh, yes. it's so, and I love it how he's like, she's precious. And then he kind of realizes how that could be Correctly misconstrued, and it's like she has value. Like, yeah, like he's I like, meant I, meant I this gotta, way. I, I gotta make it feel like she's about gold, not the <laughs> fact that I love her. I'm so, strong. Um, I have no so feelings. Right, yeah, no. Right. We have it's a read so on good. you, Eric.
0: Like, it's clear as fucking
1: day. You have oh. puppy dog eyes for her. It's insane. He, yeah, he loves her, and I. The moment after is so. It's so sad, but so beautiful when she like basically tells him like. This is kind of old hat to me. Like, Mm. I haven't... This is not the first time I've been attacked. This is not, you know, an irregular occurrence. And he kind of realizes the abuse that she's suffering at the hands of her husband. And he knows, just like we know, that she deserves better than that.
0: Yeah, it's so sad because, you know, she makes this, like, little, like, quip about, like, the next time I'll just use my night bucket. And it's Mm. funny, but it's also, like, she knows there's going to be a next time. Like, it's just... It's sad, and, um, you know, it, like, it really warmed my heart because Eric seemed really sad about it, too. I mean, he was yeah. like, oh, man, like, you know, I, I think Eric he... Eric just
1: realized how difficult it is for women. For women. <laughs> he's become woke. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far, but, you know, he's beginning medieval to see woke. women as people. Right, right, medieval, the <laughs> medieval let's, equivalent let's of woke. It, yeah. Right, um, right.
0: No, so... Y- so they they bond after that, and he ends up um, taking her on this, like, little moonlight, you know, moonlit stroll <sighs> where yes, he... Yes, get her uh, some fresh air. She wanted you know that fresh air. you bitches love fresh air. You know they do. When but, they're surrounded yeah. by nature, things happen. Um, <laughs> and he, like, tells this sweet little story about how he, you know, he was supposed to be named something else or whatever. We weren't really listening because we just knew that... <laughs> It was coming <laughs> and they end up making out and it's the sweetest little thing. I mean, there's it's just, great. it's not like hot and heavy. I mean, no, it's, it's a not... very tender
1: moment. I'm all, I'm all about it. Like, yeah. you know, I love to thirst, but like, this is not the time. This no. is just romance 101, getting back to the basics and it's good. I've never seen a face like this before.
0: No, I see it. Even when I close my eyes. Yeah, this is bonding. This is like making a connection with someone. Um, and you can just feel that they, they understand each other on a level I don't think they realize they would. So, yeah, I loved that little bit of it. We don't get a lot of this kind of soft, warm... Um, romance on this show—it's usually like hot and heavy and fast and done, you know. So, right, right. Um, but this is, I really like appreciate this. Yeah, <laughs> this whole
1: episode was just Eric and Ethelfled's like courtship. Um, I know it's like the soft fanfic of my dreams, said it's actually happening. Seriously, it's, it's really so nice. Good. Um, but it's then enemies we're reminded, to lovers enemies happening uh, right in front of us. I Such mean, a good trope.
0: It's like OG, like Romeo and Juliet. Like they're yeah, from is. two different worlds. It could never. Work, but it's so right, you know. (laughs) Right,
1: it's so good while it lasts. Um, Um, But yeah, while they're like, (laughs) right, right. So while they're you know falling in love, Uhtred shows up after he finds out from Citric that she's alive and what they need to sort of take the castle. And um, so he goes to Alfred and is like, "All right, here's what we've got to do." And of course, Athelred is you know mad because. He is not the one who's making these plans, but he also doesn't, you know, he doesn't know what he needs to be doing either. So they <laughs> he just, has no they clue need, what to do, right? Like they're all like, "Ugh, what do we do?" And Uhtred is here, is like, "All right, here's how we're gonna do it." And they're all like, "Ugh, I guess." And I'm like, "Come on." <laughs>
0: Come on. I mean, it's like, it's arrogance and incompetence, like, at their peak, you know? It's like, they have no clue what they should do, but they don't Mm want to listen to this dude because they think they're better than him. So, it's like, you get whatever you get. But I'm glad that, you know, in the end... gets the
1: work done like he always does. He does.
0: He, He kind of gets through it. Well, he doesn't get through it. A lot of people... Petition on his behalf to kind of convince Alfred to let him go with Ethelred to negotiate for Ethelfled, um, and there's some like tough conversations had about that because they know that Siegfried and Eric are not dumb. They they mm. know they have a prize in her, and they're gonna ask for probably way more than what Wessex and Mercia can give. And there's mm. a, a point when uh, you know Uhtred and Ethelred have have gone off to to make this kind of bargain, and Ada. You know, has this conversation with Alfred where he's like, "Look, a lot of people have given their lives, you know, for this idea of a united England. Don't mm-hmm. like bankrupt us like before we've begun by trying to save your daughter. Like it's, sure. you know, if you can, great, but like there has to be a limit. And it's like that's such a tough thing for him to say because it is. It, it's very correct. I mean, it's shrewd, but yeah. he's also but known this harsh. girl for her,
1: her yeah. entire life." <laughs> Yeah, there's a moment where he tells him, you are a king before you are a father. Mm. And Alfred is like, I know my place. And it's one of those things where, you know, we've seen Alfred make so many seemingly harsh decisions based on, you know, his position as king. And so it's kind of insane that Ada's like, hey, man, remember that you're a king when Alfred is very hell-bent on reminding everybody that everything he does is for the glory of England, whatever. But even then, like, you know... As a father, he is compromised. Of course, they will make outrageous demands. That is the purpose of strong negotiation to ensure there is agreement. You intend to negotiate, Lord?
0: I intend to recover my daughter.
1: I think this is the hardest decision he's had to make yet because it's so personal. You know, like there's the. If this doesn't go well, he could lose the kingdom and, you know, one of the people that he loves most in the world. So.
0: Yeah. So, um,. You know, Utrid is trying to prevent that. He he goes off uh, to to be on feet with a group of people that includes Ethelred and Edhelm, and of yeah. course they're kind of like in the back. Like uh, so, they meet up with Heston, and he's like, "You know what? You can have half your party, but you got to walk."
1: I do have to. I do wonder though. Like Osfirth, obviously, I love him and want him to be around because he's a delight. But how was he in like the final group to go to Bamfliot when they were like, "All right, you can take half." He has no fighting skills. He's not, you know. There to negotiate. He's just kind of like hanging out because the rest of his buddies went, but he still got made the final cut. And I'm I, like, all right, all right, I, I have guess. No clue. I mean, maybe like <laughs> at, over after dinner, like they
0: just like had some drinks and, and really bonded around a fire and cook them. Right. I don't know. Um, right. You know, also, he's a religious man. Maybe they thought Ethelflaed right. would want to like speak with a priest. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, not mad at it, but right. you're right. It, like, it doesn't, make doesn't make sense. sense. But I'm glad uh, he's
1: there. I'm glad he's there. Good yeah. for him. He
0: brightens <laughs> any any party he's a part of. But true. um Yeah, so Ed Helm and Ethelred are kind of in the back, still fucking scheming, as they always do. With He also mm. brings up what, you know, Ada has told Alfred, which is, you know what's the price? Like, there's
1: only yeah. so far
0: we can go. And um, yeah, was so this they,
1: one? I, was it him? Is I remember at some point in this episode, somebody refers to sharing the burden of your daughter, and I feel yeah, like it may have been at this point. And I was like, ah, the it's burden. It's, it's so gross. gross. It was one of the mercy and lords
0: um, when they You're had right. that little You're like right, con when convab, they had the win, the little win. Yeah yeah it was a dick thing to say I mean that's awful like she's not a fucking burden maybe your lord shouldn't have like let her so close to battle and she would have been taken
1: you know right right But the only good thing about Ethelred being there is how he's treated by the Danes. Like, (laughs) Siegfried and Eric immediately suss out that not only is he a weakling who wields no real power, he's a real dick about it. So he gets knocked out by this giant Danish dude. And they're like, all right. We know that he's not the one that we really need to be talking to to get stuff done. So they strip him naked and dump him with the pigs, and it's just—it's it's a he pretty belongs. glorious moment. <laughs> it's where he belongs. You love to see it. You really you do.
0: Yeah. So while he's sleeping it off um, with the pigs, Uhtred is kind of given this, you know, responsibility to bargain for um, Ethelfled with Siegfried yeah, and Eric, and. Um, it's, I mean, I think it goes
1: about as, as well as you expect it to. Um, I think it's really interesting, like, the games that both sides are playing in this. You know, like, Eric is obviously keeping to himself how much he cares about mm-hmm. Flood, But so is Uhtred. You know, like, he's, you know, he's speaking about her in ways that he never would have in real life. But he right. knows that he needs to, you know, if they sense that emotion in him, they'll only exploit it for more gold. So he has to play it off that, like... She's not that great, you know. We can, we can. <laughs> she'll be fine. We'll be fine without her. But also, Alfred really wants his daughter back, and so this is what we'll pay you.
0: She's not Alfred's favorite. That's why he married right. her to this turn. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> right. He, he's right. really like playing some mind games, and I mean, Siegfried is as well. I mean, he's not yeah as as boorish and like brutish as he as he is. He's not dumb he's not stupid I no mean, especially when it comes to, to kind of bargaining for gold I mean that's right up his alley so we don't like find out what the, the final price is but I gotta think it's it's a lot because it's it's quite high they know I mean if they've come all this way and they've given you a price and then they said well we can go up to this you know that they can still keep going up like sure
1: I've watched succession I know how mm. these things work mm. yes oh I know <laughs> Um. Yeah. And I think I think this whole negotiation really shows how much Uhtred has grown, because not only is he, you know, reading Siegfried and not just like lashing out on pure emotion. He's really playing the game. He's also observing Eric and how he's yes. responding. And he like immediately susses out that Eric is like full on in love with her. And then Eric, you know, he admits to Utrid that he's in love and he can't let her go, blah, blah, blah. And so he takes, her to, he takes Uhtred to see Athelfled, And she basically says the same thing. She's like, I'm not going back to my shit husband. I'm going to go off with my Danish boyfriend. We're going to have a beautiful <laughs> life together and you're going to make it happen. Lady, is a Northman and a pagan. He is a pagan as you are a Any pagan. Any hope that you have of a life together is nonsense. It will fail. It will not. Merely because it's what you wish for. It can never happen. Well, it must. And if and you Uhtred, don't, I will kill myself. kill myself. I'm like, all right. God, she's the definitely the melodrama. She's she's definitely 17. Yep. Like this First is love. like the little. This is like you know the Little Mermaid. Daddy, I love him. Like that's exactly what's going on here. And <laughs> like just met him five minutes ago. Right. right. Are ready to like throw down your life for him. Risk it. Risk it all for yeah. that blonde ponytail. Um. And Utrud is like. Yikes. You guys have not thought this through. <laughs> Yikes on bikes. <laughs> Yikes on bikes. Oh, my God. Happy Aventing's reference. I love you so much. Um, yeah, it's like it's not good. And Uhtred knows that it's never going to end well for them. And Adelbert basically says that she doesn't care. You know, like she she's like, this is the fuck decision it. that I've made. Fuck you. Fuck my dad. Fuck my husband. I'm going to do this. And that's kind of where the episode ends, where Uhtred is like, all right. Trick. I guess I'm... <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Like, he can't abandon her, and so this is kind of his only option is to make all of her dreams of Danish children and a lovely husband come true, but... That's too nice to happen on this show. Uh,
0: yeah. And, you know, poor Uhtred, he comes into this thing thinking, I just have to, like, bargain with these two dudes. Like, I can do this and then we'll, like, get it figured out. And nope. he comes he in. Has to deal with high school romance. <laughs> Seriously, he comes into that fucking cell and is immediately like, what the hell happened right. in the, like, You know, few days that she's
1: been right, right. I never. Well, I think it's. I think it's It's been been more than a a few days because like Citric had time to like get in there and like you know become a spy, ingratiate himself with the Danes, and like get all the information back and forth. So I'm sure it's been a few months, but still, it's not like you know forever. And I, I mean, it's also like they've only stolen moments,
0: like in between like right. cell guard changes. You know, right? Like, right. It's like they've been like with each other twenty four seven. It's it's. Mm. I mean, it's a lot, but I'm not gonna hate on it. Find your love where you can, you guys. Right.
1: <laughs> Even relationship
0: with a Viking warrior that's like captured you. <laughs> and right. Holding you for ransom. Well,
1: you know those kind of relationships that are born and heightened. Dramatic circumstances always burn pretty hot from the get go. So, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It's time for our next episode,
0: Wishes. This is when we assure demands for upcoming episodes like the spoiled toddlers that we are. Here's what we want to see, when we want to see it, and why we won't be denied. Alyssa, what do you want to see?
1: I think it's pretty clear that I am fully on board with this romance. It just—it makes me want to die, but in like such a good way. It's 100% my shit injected into my veins. Um, I like—I know that it's only going to end in tears, but the angst just it fuels me, and it's what I need <laughs> right now. <laughs> The so, torture is so oh, sweet. It's so good. <laughs> it hurts so good. Um, so I want more Eric and Athelflaed. Like I know it's gonna be tragic. I don't care. I want all of the, you know, the romance, you know, swoon town, population me. <laughs> it's a lot. And so I want that and I want more, you know, the continuation of the humiliation of Athelred. It's just it's the cherry on top of this beautiful Sunday.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're fucking suckers, and (laughs) I want the same thing. It's really transparent. (laughs) We're like, oh, God, it's so beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, I know this isn't going to last. It's a full stream. Uh, Um, But it's so good, though. It's. It's such a Romeo and Juliet kind of story, and we're already talking about suicide, so you just know it's not going to go where you want it to go. When suicide
1: is immediately on the table, (laughs) that's not a great sign.
0: That's plan A. Right. Plan A is to escape, but plan Plan B B. is suicide. I feel like there
1: should be a few more options, but nope, that's it.
0: Yeah, if we could get a little bit farther down in the alphabet, I'd feel better about this, (laughs) but because we don't, it's not going to end well. Um, And... You know, I like, the the little spark of hope in me is, you know, hopes that maybe good things will happen to good people. Um, but then I'm just like, just the cynical side just like punches me in the face and is like, I you know. know, fuck off, Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> that's not happening. So um, those are our next episode wishes. Yeah. But we know
1: that they won't happen. Right. I don't right. know how helpful this has been. <laughs> well, you know what? They know how we feel. And that's fine. Look, yeah, we will. We we'll believe until the end, <laughs> right? Right. Maybe, maybe the episodes are different this time through. <laughs> maybe
0: we missed so much with Gisela. Right. Maybe
1: we missed this. Completely... Maybe I made up right.
0: everything that happened to Eric and Ethel. Fled later on. <laughs>
1: The Last Kingdom has a massive cast of interesting characters, and nearly everyone gets their time to shine. Our Arsling of the episode is the character who truly goes above and beyond to win the war or simply win our hearts. Jessica, I think I can probably guess, and you know, same for me, we're pretty transparent in our praise (laughs) this time around, but uh, who is your Arsling of the episode? Okay, so I'm going to... You know, do a little 180. Um, Mm.
0: Eric, well, because Eric was my Arsling of the Week last episode, or Arsling of the episode last episode. Um, So I don't want to, like, spend too much time, like, fawning over his romance skills. I mean, I think someone should because this dude was, like, able to, like, win over this woman that he had captured and held for ransom. So there's some serious, like, um, skill there. But I think I'm going to call out Siegfried this week. Okay. And it's going to be the only time I ever do this. But because <laughs> uh, he, he's such a tool and, you know, I will not miss him when he's gone. But he did strip Ethelred naked and throw him in a pig pen. And you can't not cheer for
1: that. So. Right. Good that on, makes you, free. to me. <laughs> right. You get this one free pass. You get this one. OK. Right. Right. We'll throw you a bone because you did a good thing, even if everything else you do is pretty evil. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm going to regret this. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm going to go with fled. You know, we talked a little bit about, like, For sure. kept her. she kept her head held high when all these dudes were, like, pawing at her and being super creepy. And she, you know, she handled a tough situation with such grace and... You know, they found love in a hopeless place. And oh, so my God, Rihanna. I know. Oh, Rihanna. This is the uh, story Rihanna sang about. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody, I'm sure, somewhere on the internet, there is a fan vid about them with that song. Oh, as it the has main to be. Track. We're going to, like, scour YouTube to find, find it. it. I got to find it. But, yeah, she clung to true love at the same time. And, you know, this is such a tough situation for her. But she still is just... Maintaining her dignity in such a powerful way. And, you know, she's beating the shit out of Heston. She's being emotionally vulnerable and she's getting what she wants. And that is, you know, that's an energy that we need to take into 2020.
0: For sure. Because we are also being held hostage. Right. It's not a, situation a romantic, that I have...
1: fun way. <laughs> <laughs> this is a situation I have a lot of experience in. And yes. I really want to, you know, bring the Ethelflaed energy to everything I do. <laughs>
0: Get ready to shame none, the worst character of the episode, with us. It doesn't matter if you're a Saxon or a Dane. Anyone can be a turd, and we're calling out the biggest one of the episode. Alyssa, who were you just, like, could not stand this episode?
1: Okay. I feel like Athel Red, not Fled, Red, is an obvious choice. So I'm going to go with his sort of whispering advisor, mm. Al Telm. You know, choice. He's, He's a true snake in the grass, and he's constantly, you know, encouraging Athelred to go after his worst impulses. And not only that, like, he's clearly smarter than Athelred, so he's pointing out awful things that this would-be king never would have thought of on his own. So, you know, get this guy out of here before he starts a war. Yeah, Another he, war.
0: He's definitely the more dangerous of the two.
1: Yeah, and again, like Ethelred would
0: be nothing without him. So it's like we kind of have him to blame for Ethelred, and that's mm. not a good look, dude. Like, no, it's do not. not like you. Um, yeah, good choice. I'm going to. I'm. I'm pretty sure I called out Ethelred last episode as well. So again. Just know, he is a turd. He will always be a turd. We just can't keep calling him out every episode. Right.
1: We um, gotta shake things up every once in a while. Gotta shake
0: it up. Gotta give you someone else to hate. He will be a turd again.
1: So, you know. <laughs> he will. Just... As
0: soon as we can get him back in here, guys, we will. <laughs> he will okay? be there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's a steaming pile of shit. I think Heston uh, hmm. gave him a run for his money this episode. Because, you know, <clears throat> first off, he's super creepy about fled and... The leering and the kind of, you know, toxic masculinity, like, quickly gives way to this, like, fixation um, that is so, like, off-putting and so dangerous to her. it's upsetting. And he ends up kind of defying his orders and just being like, fuck it. I know I was told to keep her safe, but I'm actually going to go in and rape her. And honestly, he deserved to be, like, drenched in all the piss buckets of all of Wessex. And I'm so proud of Ethelflaed for doing that and I'm happy that the show did not give us a rape scene uh, this episode another, I would not another have rape it. scene yeah. yeah he's just the worst and it's his fixation with her is very unsettling and I don't think it's the last we've seen of that um, mm. so yeah I'm just calling him out now because I'm sure I'm
1: going to hate on him again Now, this is clearly a very serious podcast about a very serious show, but sometimes it's nice to indulge in a little thirst. It's 2019, the world is on fire, and honestly, we deserve this. So this is our time to celebrate the thirstiest moments that really blew our skirts up this episode. Jessica, would you like to get us started? Uh, Always.
0: So, (laughs) you know, we didn't get a lot this episode. I think Mm. we got, you know, some cute little tender romance. romance. It was a very romance-heavy. Yes, very romance-heavy. And you know what? We love that, okay? We're not saying we don't love that. Um, But if we have to mine some thirsty bits out of it, it's a little bit difficult. So, Mm. you know, there's a cute moment between Utrid and Gisela by the dock. And it's that, emotional thirst. Yeah, emotional thirst. There you go. <laughs> it's good for the soul. It's right. soup for the soul. Right. Um, obviously, the main bromance of this episode was between Eric and Ethelflaed and watching them kind of, you know, connect and him woo her. It had me really up in my feels. But there was something about that, like, moonlit stroll that he takes her on where he's telling her about his childhood and then he correctly like guesses that her husband is just like a twat to her that did something to my lady bits because you know a man who actually listens like i didn't know those still existed so you know
1: it's funny like i feel like this is the year where people are realizing how thirsty women are for men who listen like that. That really became apparent again to bring up Fleabag with the hot priest because that is the thing that every every woman who was like so horned up for the hot priest was like, I mean, yes, Andrew Scott is a handsome man. But it's because he listens and he sees her and it's not like a trial for him to listen to her and know her. It's just something that he wants to do and is naturally doing. And I think – that's kind of the same situation here with Eric. And, you know, she she says to him, you know, my husband does not see me. And so, yeah, it's the same thing here. It's all about the listening. And that is just, you know, dudes, listen to your ladies. Take it's not note. Hard. And like, I know that's a very heteronormative way, way to say that. But, like, I feel like this is a hallmark of straight relationships. So sorry to be all, you know. He, she, heteronormative, whatever. Um, But, yeah, like, you know, this, like we said, it's not a blatantly sexy episode, but the romance in it is so good. And that is just, you know, if you don't feel anything when he's screaming that she's precious, you might be dead inside. Yeah, check your pulse. Something's wrong. (laughs) Right. So, yeah, you know, this is a this is probably I mean, I would say this is the most romantic Episode of the series. I oh think. yeah, a hundred percent. Because you've got you've got the newer romance with Eric and Athel and you also have that more lived in romance with Uhtred and Gisela, and it's just ugh, on both counts, it's so good.
0: And I love that you've compared like Eric to the hot priest because now I'm just going to think him think of him as like the Viking hot priest. Hot priest. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Ugh. I think they would have a lot of talk to talk about. I wonder if he is also afraid of foxes.
0: They would have a lot of wisdom to impart on. <laughs> the men of our time
1: <laughs> i bet he also loves piglet and winnie the pooh oh so. my
0: god you know eric is such a piglet fan please he is
1: such a piglet fan he's cracking open those gnts and mm. you know they would they would get along you know cracking manner
0: look i'm telling you they would get along based on like their Crossover fashion sense alone that, yes they, like between under, the beautiful like priest robes and right. then between like the like shoulder pads full of like
1: Yes, glorious, they like both, like their fashion sense both is, has a flair for the dramatic, and I think. Yeah, it would be something for them to bond over. Yeah. All right. Get it get it going. Um, <laughs> he wait, he was even on fleabag. <gasps> oh my god! So many connections to fleabag. Oh uh, my gosh. Yes, he was Claire. He was on Fleabag. Oh my god. Did life exist before fleabag? I just don't no, know. It didn't. It didn't. <laughs> okay,
0: so a crossover definitely needs to happen and we're almost already there. So just right. whoever has to take it across the finish line, mm, go ahead. Do it. I think it's safe to say that we've never been accused of being unenthusiastic in our fandom. Uh, We annoy our friends, our family, and now you, our devoted listeners. Welcome to Geek Out, which is where we will offer up our humble suggestions about what we think you should be watching, reading, listening to, other than this podcast, of course. (laughs) Alyssa, what are you geeking out over uh, this week?
1: Um, Well, I finally caught up. I say finally. It's been out for about a week. Um, uh, Do you watch Letterkenny? Okay, I'm not,
0: I'm not caught up, but I have seen, like, the first couple seasons.
1: Okay, well, the new season it's came hilarious. out. It's wonderful. It's such a weird show, but I enjoy it so much. Like, the writing is so good, and I love how it's so, you know, you watch it, and you're like, okay, so this is a show about, like, hockey and farts and, you know, townies <laughs> doing drugs. But it's so densely written, and the wordplay is so good, and it's so, like, subtly progressive while being so goddamn funny, And, yeah, it's a super weird show. You know, it's funny. Like, I'm a professional writer. My sister is an academic. And we both love the show so much that when we talk to each other, we sound like fucking hockey bros because we love (laughs) Riley and Jonesy so much. Um, But, yeah, it's a great show. Go watch it. Letterkenny rules.
0: Yeah, it's a, I mean, I've seen it like so much on Hulu and I've, I've watched like the first. I want to like go back through and just watch it all like in one binge because it is like it's so bingeable. Like it's yeah, such it's a, it's a show that's bingeable. meant to be binge. It
1: is because the, the episodes are only like 21 minutes and there's like I think six or seven in a season. So it's not a huge commitment. So you'll be sad when you run out of episodes quickly, but also, you know, there's a lot to watch. So it's an easily digestible chunk of TV.
0: Well, speaking of, um, my geek out of this week, um, I have two geek outs. Great. So one is uh, Jenny Slate's Netflix comedy oh, special.
1: So good.
0: Hi. It's her first, which is like so unbelievable. I can't believe she hasn't had one on Netflix I know. already. I know. Um, she is such a special person. I mean, she is is just such a lovely human being. Yeah. And she's fucking hilarious. She's Um, so
1: funny. And I just I love how she's so funny. And she doesn't pull any punches. And she's so emotionally vulnerable. Yeah, can't speak vulnerable at the same time. And that just it shines through in that special like, yeah, it's so funny. The I the I watched it last week. And then that bit where she has where she's talking about how haunted her parents houses and when oh she God. was so afraid to go and wake her mother as a child yes. that bit came across my Twitter feed today and I just I cackled about it all over again and I'm going to stay with friends this weekend and I know I'm 100% going to bully them into watching it because oh, have to. it's so You're doing good. them a
0: favor I am um, <laughs> it's wonderful yeah, so, so our, yeah. our mutual friend uh, Jason Tabris
1: um, oh his interview with her, her was her. so good
0: yeah, and he, like, I mean, he's the one he was like, you need to, like, check this out, because he's he's been interviewing a lot of um, comedians lately. A lot mm. of comedians have had some uh, specials on Netflix. Um, and he was like, there's just something about this one that... Felt so refreshing. And mm-hmm. so, like, he was like, I felt like maybe I was done with like talking to comedians for a while and, and everything after everything that's like gone on this year and everything. Sure. And this kind of, you know, restored his faith in <laughs> comedy specials a little bit. Um, yeah. Sorry, Jason, I'm putting words into your mouth, but also that's what you told me. So, um, right. Yeah. So that's that's high praise. And it does. I mean, she is so it's it's kind of like a mix between a special and like this kind of little documentary, like a mini documentary. Because you get to see a little bit inside of her life. She takes you to her childhood home. You meet her family. family.
1: Now, did you watch um, Gary Goldman's uh, special on HBO, The Great Depression? I did not. Okay, you should watch I've that. I've heard good things. It's a very similar thing. I hadn't watched it. My best friend is, knows, like, everything about stand-up comedy. Like, she's the best. Um, and she told... We watched it together, and she told me, she was like, you have to watch this. And it's got a very... Like, the, the, the theme of the... Special is very different, and the jokes told are very different. But it has that similar element of like taking you behind the scenes that is mm-hmm. also done really well. So yeah, if you liked Jenny Slate's watch, Gary Goldman's The Great Depression. Yeah, it's, it's just nice. Great.
0: It's nice to see like the other side of this, and she's she's like so open about her stage fright and yeah. and things. It's just nice to see the work that goes into this because it's more than just standing in front of a mic and like and telling saying jokes. some jokes, you know. Right.
1: I loved that scene that played over the credits where she's just dancing alone. Oh my god, in the, her in uh, her and bla- <laughs> Yes. It's so good and just so She just seems like such a wonderful, genuine person and I just wish that I could hang out with her because she seems I know. like a delight. <sighs>
0: I want like only good things for her. I hope her. I hope she like really blows up and gets the the parts and the things that she wants because she's just well, so and talented. She's, and she's
1: such a talented actress too. Um, oh yeah. I mean, and, and she she did this with her frequent collaborator. What is her name? Um, she oh, directed. Obvious Child. Uh-huh. Yeah, she directed Obvious Child and Landline. Now I gotta look up. I gotta look up at that director's name know, so They've worked I together know. in the look past. Up.
0: Also, like super good movies, both of those you should watch. Yeah, those.
1: Ugh, obvious child is so good. Gillian um, Rose Pierre, she also yes. she directed the special. She's directed two movies mm-hmm. with Slate. It's just great, so good.
0: Yeah, but they yeah. have a good working relationship. They do. Um, and then the other geek out that I'm going to recommend because we are so refined here at Mm. uh, just a couple of our slinks. We're readers, Um, you guys. We're readers. (laughs) We read real books, okay? They have pages. What? And you can hold them in your hands. And you know what? This book, I even got it as a hard copy. Me, too. Like, hard cover book. Yeah, yeah. So we're not playing around. Um, (laughs) It is Catch and Kill by Ronan Farrow. Yes. Um, It is about the Harvey Weinstein... uh, story the sexual assault uh allegations and everything that he he broke that story basically yeah um and it's a story that has been trying to be told for a very long time as you find out in the book yeah um so it's it's even more impressive that he was able to do it but it also like digs into a lot of you know a lot of questionable behavior by NBC and Specifically, like, the people that he worked for um, at NBC. Not all of NBC, obviously. But, uh, yeah, so it's just interesting. It's an interesting look at how powerful men can manipulate systems to benefit themselves. Sure. Um, and how it takes very, like, dogged determination to kind of stand up to that abusive power. He he really suffers for it. and. Uh, the women that, you know, agree to tell their story also suffer for it. So it's a really it's a really interesting book. There's some drama. There's you know, there's some, you know, parts where he's talking about the private eyes that have been hired to follow him and keep tabs on him. I mean, it reads like a thriller. A movie.
1: Yeah. It yeah, reads it's like a thriller. And I think I think, you know, I I haven't finished it yet because I'm working on rereading The Golden Compass, but I read some of it. And I will say the only thing that kind of gives me pause is it's so centered on him. And, like, Mm -hmm. I get that because it's his story that he's telling. But I would like to know... A little bit more about the women that this happened to. So I think it's really good. I think we'll be. I think it'll be really good to be read as a companion piece to um, "She Said," which is by um, Jody Cantor and Megan Tuhi, who broke yes. the story. Um, and so I think, and that one focuses more on what happened to the women. So I think these are really good read as companion pieces. You know how he uncovered it, and then you know what happened. And so there's a there's a lot of books about this out right now there's another one that i read um did you read um know my name by chanel miller who was the girl who was um raped by brock turner (gasps) oh my god no but that's on my list her memo it's it is so beautifully written like it's absolutely devastating to read but she is such an incredible writer so yeah there's a lot of like really intense dramatic stuff written right now about this whole movement and it's all really really well worth reading but yeah i picked up that book on friday and I know I won't be able to put it down once I really get into it.
0: Yeah, it definitely reads like a movie or like a TV show, so yeah, um if you're it. not like super into reading, you know, just keep that in mind. Right. It'll <laughs> be a sh- it will be a show be a at some day. point,
1: yeah. <laughs> Netflix make um. this miniseries. <laughs> <laughs> calling it now. Yeah. Alright, guys, if you want to hear more of our bullshitting, check us out on Twitter or over at Sci Fi Fangirls. We've got links to everything below this episode.
0: And until next time, Destiny is all bitches.